0: uh hi uh very good morning to pallavi who is sitting out there in new york so, i'm very glad that you can make time at this hour of the day so so i was going through your profiles and trying to get a sense of what you do uh, through your linkedin and all i was really stunned by the type of volunteerly activities that you've got yourself involved into all this while then may it be uh, I mean, things ranging from mental health to tobacco control. I mean, it's a it's a lot of things that you've got yourself involved in. So, so if you if I have to ask what you are as a person, what you are really motivated about to really work in, and how do you align yourself in in your life? Uh, so, probably an, uh, uh, another take there could be how are you as a person when it comes to let's say taking work life balance. And how are you as a person? What motivates you as a person in your professional life or personal life? Any brief glimpse of you as a person?
1: Yeah, sure. Those are a lot of questions in one question. But let me take a step back and uh, explain. I think, I think I've think i always been evolving as a person. So it's like even right now in the current moment, I can't explain the kind of person I am. But um, I think for me with uh, work-life, balance it's not really a term because I don't differentiate between the two it's not like I don't believe in having fun I don't I just believe in working I don't believe in that concept at all it's just that I just feel like it's a whole life together and like I just cannot segregate between the two three things uh, because I love what I do so it's not really considered work work over the periods I've evolved uh, not as a person to not do a lot of work but as a person who um who knows that you know it's not it's not fancy or it's not cool to keep saying that you're busy 24 7 so that's not something I I and I still understand and empathize with that Pallavi I was seven eight years ago but um I definitely don't want to be back in that mode where I think that work is all me and oh my god I'm working at 10, a.m., 10 p.m., then 7 a.m., that's not me, but uh, that was me at some point. So I think uh, with me, when, like you said, I have been involved in a lot of work. I think that started when I was um, in undergrad. Before that, I was very, like, in. Like, do you want to hear like a two minutes story on how? It, okay, so, so not two, two minutes, I'll try to wrap in one minute. So uh, back in school, like I was basically, a backbencher, not a backbencher, the cool backbencher, the backbencher who doesn't want to be seen, (laughs) okay. So, uh, and uh, I didn't, I would just do things just to get good scores, but I wouldn't get good scores. I would try to party, but I wouldn't party. So it was like, I was in a fix, but uh, then I, uh, so I just somehow got through uh, 12th standard and then I got into a college just because I got enough percentage to get into that college. I ended up choosing Paul Science um, because I thought it would give me some context. Second year of college, I was doing CNN. I was doing University Express like it was a student organi- organization. Then I was doing, I was working at an orphanage. I was in HR somewhere at a startup. I was like a business development executive. I was everything. So because I wanted to make sure I wasn't trying to find what I'm good at. I was trying to find what I'm not good at. Even though at some point I knew I want to be a public health professional, but but you know you never know. Like at some maybe that's the best I knew, and there's still more things I need to know. So I when I came to Boston University to do my masters of public health, I started just you know read like doing everything even here. Like I was I was applying for a grant. Then I was um, cooking at an uh, at an at a shelter home. And then then I was making uh communication plans for my school, so it was like I was just doing everything that's me. I think I like to do everything, but it's not that I stick with everything. then I just filter things out and then I decide, okay, this is what I gonna go ahead with but one good thing i I really appreciate about myself, which has developed over the years, is that when something doesn't work out i just I just think of it as what did I learn from it? What did you learn through that process? you did learn something right so that's something i feel is some you always take along you don't crack everything you just need to know what you're learning through that part so yeah that's why i do everything possible
0: it it all made a lot of sense there are i think there are two more things that i'm really extracting and taking away from this one is that the last point that you mentioned about uh, sort of criticizing ourselves when we fail uh, I think that comes in the analogy of whenever you are uh, in the sense of playing yourself as a victim card uh, and trying to, right. I, I think that sort of is something that should be avoided by anyone in any situation, like playing a victim right. card is a definite point, right? Uh, right. Only thing that you can do is learn and uh, portrayal of, let's say, weaknesses in that format is just going to dishearten you even further. So I think that is one. But there is the second irony that struck me very strong when you said that you were a student who was out there like a backbencher who was just trying to figure out how to get through one class and the other. When you say that and then when you see that this Pallavi Puri has now made into Boston University, I think yeah. that's a very, very strong lesson for all of us to take that you cannot really determine anyone's future by being a backbencher. I mean, people by backbenchers are looked down upon, right? I mean, I remember being one in some sense, but they are not respected in that in, in the whole sense. Oh
1: so, God, no, no, we're the middle ones. Like we, we don't even fit in the party group, yeah. the cool group. We don't even fit in the nerd group. Like I never fit in the nerd group or the party group. So I was like, what group do you belong to? Whenever people ask me now, I'm like, I don't know the group that doesn't exist, like with, the, like in between somewhere, jumping. Right. Yeah, so,
0: so that is one that everyone should really understand and see that life can really be changed and molded. I mean, just a week of SWOT analysis is probably required for you to do that. Uh, I think that is one strong hack. And uh, I was talking to one other person who has also been to the US, and even she was stating how a SWOT analysis. Uh, Told, asked to her by her parents to really perform on herself really helped her understand what she wants to do, and uh, I think that that is really something that is being ke- keeping coming up every now and then. And when you talk about understanding oneself, so uh, I would probably like you to express a little on how you understand yourself. I mean, one is what obviously, but if you want to really reflect and think deeper is SWOT the only thing to understand yourself or is it like the second thing where you said you do a lot of things, experiment and see what is like trying and testing. So how do, how does one do this exercise of understanding oneself?
1: I have a very clear path through my masters, right? And now I'm again in that phase where I'm like, okay, I know why I'd wanted to do my master's, but what next? You know, nobody lays that down for you. So um, I think I'm, I'm again in that mode and I'm just reading a lot of, I love self-help books. So I, what works for me, I think it works very differently for different people. And, or we'd like to believe that it works differently for different people. I have always been that person who is always like wanting to read a lot more so that I know a lot of ideologies that are out there or like a lot of uh things that people have already tried and how it has helped them I like to read like a lot of autobiographies but at the same time SWOT analysis I haven't done in a while uh, and I should be doing reminds me of that but uh but just sitting with yourself I think sometimes you need to get bored you know what we do is like we sit, we're sitting with a problem, right? We're sitting with some issues we want to find we want to find a solution of. We'll search Google, we'll search answers on Quora. What has what did someone do when this breakup happened? You know, like and I want to apply that to myself. So it's like I am I am literally cracking. That's why it's very hard for if someone even hears me out. I don't really want them to take away that do exactly what I did, right? Because your your lock is different your key is different so you've got to sit with yourself and figure out your own key and that only happens i think the biggest way to crack that down is just sit with yourself get bored i would say get bored to death so that you can just you know at some point it'll occur to you that uh what is happening what do i really need to do to figure things out what do i uh, will writing it down help me? Will reading help me? Will going out for a walk help me? It's not like I have there is like this medication and then you find yourself. It's just very different for different people. But the problem is we all want like the short answer to, okay, this worked for me and this will work out for me. So let me try that out. You try that out, but it might not work out for you. And you need to keep trying different things out till the time you crack or you get the right key for yourself. So I think... That is more important for you to sit down with yourself.
0: That, that makes a lot of sense. And and to put it in a very simple statement, I think uh, while you went in that uh, rant of what you think, how it should be done, well, there is no clear way. I think there is this uh, one thing that you clearly reflected upon this uh, energy of compounding. So it, in terms of money as well, in terms of your time and energy, when you are deleting all your distractions, there is. When, how you are really understanding yourself and probably going down this journey, and I think when it you it doesn't just start, just does not work for you. It just works for everyone. I believe in that sense. When you are with yourself, you really see what works for you, what does not work for you, and probably you figure your way out. You've done it now till Boston University, and you can probably do it way ahead, right? In following the same formula.
1: So yeah, you, That's what you can put. You should interview yourself.
0: yeah that's really helpful okay so that gave us a lot of sense about where you are Uh, next I would probably want us to talk about the academic journey Uh, we can start from a very simple statement or very simple question of uh, you describing about your journey from school to which college to then which college for your master's and then where are you in the job area or let's say the voluntary area that you get yourself involved in so if you can just describe that timeline
1: so i had uh, arts which is humanities with maths and eco this was a new thing that came in at that point because i just wanted to take humanities with maths and eco because it would give me five percent relaxation in du that's how i decided my decisions can you imagine like Okay, DU will give me 5% relaxation. So I'm going to do arts with uh, like maths and eco. But I did end up doing it and I actually loved it. Uh, so, uh, but I didn't think I was good, good enough. I've always been a 70 percentager or like, like yeah, I've always been in that uh, percentage. But I knew I'm not getting through any competition exams. I knew um, DU will be very hard to crack for me, especially a good school. So. Um, but i still did it somehow like i got a 94 that was weird i ended up getting a 94 in my 12th standard uh, and uh i cracked uh, political science in gargi college and after that you know like uh, i i tried i like i said i tried different things and i wasn't sure i, I tried journalism i worked at cnn for a bit and that was interesting, but I just felt like something was wrong, you know, I was trying, I was lo- loving the skill sets I was getting, but the reason for it wasn't coming out to be right. And I didn't have any um, reason for that at that moment, but it just didn't feel the right thing to do. But maybe if I would have, you know, not gotten another opportunity, like vital, vital strategies? at that time it was known as world lung foundation uh, i might have actually continued with journalism so um i don't know i just uh started doing a lot of desks at cnn and that was my first ever exposure to professional learning i was put under a director i remember Rajdeep Sardis, i took my interview at that time and i was so excited um that I cracked that interview and then, you know, they put me under a director, the director, Radha krishnan Sir. He was my first ever boss and uh, he didn't give me any work. Okay. He would just say, he just gave me really good advice. It was that go out, of, go out for the entire day. Don't come back till the evening. Just come back and tell me what you did. Okay. So, and then he was like, you are, nobody is going to give you any work in your hand. You have to snatch it. You have to steal it. You have to go ask for it. So because as an intern, you know, nobody gives you that work, like if you're just like a helper, they won't give you real work to learn the skills. And so at that time, I started going through every desk, like I was in the input desk, output desk, editorial desk, every desk I experienced. And um, then I finally went into the health desk. And uh, that's where I learned uh, a lot and I did, I did, we made a program, we made a program out of uh, vitamin D deficiency. And I realized, wow, like people are not aware of regular stuff, like, which is important. And uh, it, it is something that is causing some preventable deaths, a lot of preventable deaths. And uh, the only thing of it is making people understand the right thing, right? Why is it happening? Or you need to do this thing, uh, which you're doing wrong all your life. So that was very interesting for me because i realized wow you can use your communication skills for bringing about a difference in someone's life by and saving a million of lives which are preventable and what in between i didn't realize was a lot of profit that a lot of corporates are making right um, so at that point it didn't occur to me but i was like okay way, like i think this is it like you want to you want to use your communication skills to change people's behavior so that you can save a million lives So that is it. That was my goal. And I started looking for opportunities. The first thing that you look for as an undergrad in, in DU or in India is you want to work with UN or WHO. So because that's it, like uh, that's our exposure, right? Because when you are in school, I think when you're in college, you always think of becoming, especially as an art student, I would say you want to be either a journalist, a lawyer, a teacher or you go for your PhD. That's it. There's no other. I was like, I have to work with a United Nations body. And I started looking for opportunities. I didn't get through, I didn't uh, find any opportunity in UN, uh, but I did get through World Lung Foundation, um, which is, a, it's a, it was at that time now, it's called Vital Strategies. It was funded by Bloomberg Philanthropies. And it was uh, one of the organizations that was basically a partner of WHO. So it's like, it was, it was such a uh, nice thing for me to crack, uh, also because the interview was really hard, I found the best bosses in the world uh, because of that and I think that's where I was going that, you know, during this period I found the best mentors and I think that's what helped me grow, grow a lot, it wasn't just me, right? it wasn't just my family, I think I found really nice people who gave me the opportunity that I needed, who guided me the way I needed to be guided. And uh, then I was working with World Lung Foundation, uh, now Vital Strategies, uh, as an intern in uh, in my second year of college. I worked with them for a year of internship, then four years of uh, uh, as an associate, uh, as a communication associate. I led a lot of uh, communication campaigns and like social media campaigns. And then I just, I think my my goal of that, of doing this uh, internship and I went to World Lung Foundation was, had two goals. It didn't look like it. First, it was just to get that experience. But second, I knew when you start working with them, they'd send you to Johns Hopkins to do your uh, tobacco control leadership program. And that leadership program, you can't apply for it. You have to be nominated for it. So, and it's fully funded. Everything is, That's my, that was my entry point to the to US, okay? Because I was like, okay, Pallavi, I don't think you'll crack US school, you know, with a three years degree in DU. It'll be hard. You can crack it, but it'll be really hard knowing your person in school. So um, so I figured a different way out. I was like, okay, maybe I need to build other things. And Holland Foundation won't just give me my professional skills but they give you professional development and they send you to for a month they send you to hopkins and you meet a lot of people and you study a lot so i did they did send me to johns hopkins i met i was one of the youngest participants uh uh, like i think there were 108 participants i was the youngest i was 21 i met so many different cultures so many learnings and Yeah, so that was my entry point. I was like, okay, then I met the dean there. I met the director there. I was like, you know, I really want to study abroad. I really want to do my master's of public health, maybe. So I asked a lot of questions everywhere. So I just thought that Hopkins will be my way to get a free ticket to US, okay? uh, To meet a lot of people and then meet, discuss with a lot of people what I want to do next. Because suddenly I'm amongst so many people who are already doing it, right? and then they can guide me on what i need to do next in terms of being eligible uh, so because as a three year undergrad some colleges colleges you can't even apply to so um, i think that that helped me understand my academic uh, uh, plan for the next uh, few years and i realized that i need to do uh, another certificate course which gives you some credits so I again applied to a Johns Hopkins Tobacco Control uh, certificate course. And I went there. I did study there for two, three months. And then I got eligible to apply for my master's. After that, uh, I decided, I started deciding on schools. So, you know, like Johns Hopkins is a top school for your MPH. And uh, I went to their uh, admission i remember one day i went to their admission office and i asked them that i want to apply for mph johns hopkins is the best school i want to crack this school so what do i need to do like what do you uh, and then they asked me what do you want to do and i was like that's a new question what do i want to do like i just want to crack the best school that doesn't matter what i want to do they're like no what do you want to learn what do you want to learn from this school even if it's the best school what do you want to learn I was like, hmm, that's an interesting question. I want to learn NPH. I don't know. I want to just do this degree because I know everybody else who is at a higher position in public health has this degree from the top school. That's why I want to do this degree. And uh, they were like, no, there there are concentrations. Do you think the school will help you fill that skill set? Uh, it will help you achieve what you want to achieve in your career. And I was, I was just like so shocked with my... Uh, I will not call it I was naive but dumb to not it's not even dumb I think I think it's the way we've been brought up in India because for us any school which is the top school is the best school that's the school we want to crack because somewhere in our mind we want to prove other people that we can crack the school and suddenly you feel like oh she's in the top school of uh, US or she is in an Ivy League or she's in the top 10 school okay and that's something that I didn't realize until she said, what do you, why do you want to do this degree? Why do you want to do it from Hopkins? And that made me think that, by the way, you're doing something wrong and you need to figure that out. And then I, was, I just started looking at the curriculum of all the top 10 schools because definitely I wanted to go to the top 10. But, uh, and that's fine because you know if you're spending your money, you might want to decide what ranks of school you want to go to. But we don't ever read the curriculum of the schools. Does anybody, I don't know, do you know people who read the curriculum before applying? I don't know, they just do it to write in their SOP that this class will help me. Or, you know, like, just for that sake, they write it down on their uh, statement of purpose or they find, they read the curriculum a little bit. But nobody really tries to analyze the curriculum and how it will help them develop the skills that are needed to foster their career development. So um, I think that is where I realized, Pallavi, let's just pick three, four schools that you want to apply to. Do their SWOT analysis, right? What are they good at? What, what are their strengths, their weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? And what are my SWOT? What is my uh, SWOT analysis at that moment? And then I try to match, keep the two things like four schools, SWOT analysis, my SWOT analysis on this side. Which will go the best with which one? okay and uh, i realized that i always wanted to build my communication skills right for and this time it was in public health so it was a kind of expertise i wanted in public health but like hopkins might be good at epidemiology boston university was really good with their communication and they gave you a lot of grants to do something in practice and i didn't want my mph to be just a research degree i wanted it to be more practice based it wasn't until I looked into the curriculum of schools that I realized that, you know, schools vary with flexibility of the courses you can do. Schools vary with the kind of uh, skills you want to develop. So I started to look at their strengths would be my opportunities, you know, because uh, because if that, that's the strength, uh, if I'm wanting to go to that school for their strengths, it should be an, an opportunity for me. But what is my weakness? should be their uh, their opportunities because I want to build some I want I don't want to stay weak in the areas I am weak at, right? So what school will help me build that skill set which I'm weak at but at the same time it will let me practice the things I'm good at. and that's something we never think of while thinking or deciding on a school. And we just think when we even get through a school we see okay, this is the second best. I'm going to go to the school. I We don't think, okay, the fourth best school is actually going to give me a lot more. It's also giving me a scholarship. It's also giving me uh practical experience. It will get, give me way more fellowships in the future. It is more student friendly. We don't look any of, at any of that because we think we just have to crack the school. And after that, we're not studying there. We are studying there. You are going to live those two years there, right? Or one year. And you don't know what you're going to do with this school. It's like literally buying a gadget and not knowing what you have to do with that gadget or how to use that gadget. Or is it going to even click a picture that you wanted to click from that gadget, right? So I think that's very important. That's where, while I was explaining how my trajectory of life, I think I got got stuck at what I'm very passionate about is why are we choosing the schools we are choosing? And is it just because it's the top school or is it because it's going to help us? So um, that's how I decided I wanted to crack. I'm going to complete your question. That's how I decided I wanted to go to Boston University because I knew I cracked other schools too. Uh, but at that point, there were some schools ahead of, there were two schools ahead of this ranking, the uh, uh, Boston University. But still, BU is the school that was giving me all that I needed. Like, I think I've had the best school life when I was in BU. I did everything possible because it was available. And I know students in other schools who didn't get what they were expecting because they didn't even read what they were expecting. So
0: um... so moving forward, there is this one interesting point that you mentioned about mentors that you got aligned with all through this journey. And you pointed out that this was very being very lucky of you to get aligned with such mentors who paved certain paths for you. But if you have to reflect and really think upon, is it really a matter of luck that you got good mentors or was it a matter of your, let's say, personal capabilities of slogging and hustling here and there, talking to new people, trying to get insights from new people to try and identify those new mentors? What is it according to you? I mean, I sense that people don't generally walk into our lives, right? You need to be doing something to really get.
1: (laughs) Or maybe sometimes they do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. i think that's a great question i and i think that's a really nice thing you picked from that conversation like that that thing i was ranting about all this while but uh i i think it's maybe it is not just about it not maybe it is actually not just about luck uh it definitely is a lot more about uh what you do when you meet those people. I think uh, I think it's reminding me of this one line at a conference, this person said that uh, it's not, you, can't, you can't call it luck when your preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. when you're prepared and an opportunity comes up, mm-hmm. we usually call that as luck because we just matched, mm-hmm. right? But that's not exactly true. I was always prepared to take on the opportunity when it came up and i think when the right people came in they saw that and i won't say that everything like i got those right people in my life right they, they they did somehow ended up coming in my life from somewhere but it was because i also i was slogging through different roles throughout my period and out of the 100 things that i did i found two jobs where i found the best bosses and uh, or the best mentors and i think that's good for me to highlight because I think a lot of times we let good things go off, uh, calling it off as luck, while it is it is something that you did there. And I uh, i am glad that you brought that up. But yes, definitely you have, uh, you can find mentors if you are, if you're looking out for it, if you're prepared for it. You can't, you know, one thing my boss told me, she is my she's still my mentor. She told me that you can't look at your mentor as your Google. Do your homework. Okay, so even the best of your mentors will end up really hating you because they would think that you're just making them do your job. So I think the right attitude is what matters uh, when you meet the right people so that you they can guide you the way you want to be guided, but at the same time you have to still do the homework. you have to still know what kind of questions you want to ask, what kind of answers do you need, all of those things you still need to do, but uh, definitely be on a lookout for it
0: so uh, taking cue from whatever you have said about this journey of you starting from school then college gradually to the us after all those internships and all so if we have to deep dive a little into let's say the um, select co- course selection journey so obviously when you went there uh, we will probably want to talk about your journey after john hopkins because john hopkins was a sort of predefined area where you did not have to do much selection but let's say after John Hopkins, you had a wide area where you had to select from masters from all these different colleges. So uh, how did you go about selecting your course and eventually, let's say, selecting this college? Uh, you And probably you can touch upon that first and then we can talk about uh, how many colleges did you really apply into?
1: Oh, I think I would want to start with when I was in my undergrad. Uh, I I was thinking, what is my next step? I definitely was trying different things, but at the same time, uh, I knew my three years undergrad would not be enough if I want to really, uh, go higher in my career. So I felt, uh, I would might, I might need to do a master's, especially in the public health field. And, uh, if I want to be in public health, that's after I understood in CNN, I like health, my goal became clear a little bit. Uh, but at that time still, I wasn't sure if I want to do my master's or I want to gain some experience. Okay. Okay. And. Um, uh, So at that point, I was thinking about how is it what ways more like going from because, you know, if I go for my master's later, I later I'll be a little far behind in my race. And I think a lot of us think like that, um, that I want to do this before someone else does or like I what's the age and my application park. so all of those things were in my mind at, at that point and I was talking to my again mentor I was discussing with her that you know I am wondering if I should do my master's right now or should I do my uh should I go for another job and at that point she explained to me how do not decide based on that my friend already got through a great school in the US okay and uh, because your application might not be suitable enough to get through that school at that point, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to be realistic about what, where you are at right now, again, the self-awareness, but more in practical terms, like where you are in the moment, what are you doing right now, and what achievements you have till now. Mm -hmm. But uh, what will help you more, getting more experience or or you can crack a school you want to crack. Either you end up going to a school that you really don't want to go to, but because you want to catch up on your timeline, you would go to that school. Or you will build up your skill. Uh, you will build up your skill set or your resume to get through a school you want to get go through. Get through. So I think I decided uh, that in my last year of uh, undergrad that if Vital Strategies, World Lang Foundation, the organization I was with, will provide me with a job, I'll go for it because I knew that. At that point, I thought that that organization will give me more skill sets than I will get in school right now. Because, you know, uh, even if the school does provide me with the skill set, will I be able to make best use of it? Maybe not, because I wouldn't know uh, what I'm missing out on or what I have to learn so going to a job will actually help me and build some skills that I can use at school too and also will help me understand what I really want to do my masters in um and I think a lot of times we don't do that especially in India because we want uh to completely get done with masters like undergrad masters then job right that's how we look at uh, our life because we don't have the time and our parents don't give us time or the society doesn't give us time to think that through and uh, Thank God, I did end up going to my did end up working and I decided at that point again that, you know, I should do a master's or a PhD because these are very closely related and I didn't even know about public health at that time. But I think when you this is what happens when you start working with an organization, I think a lot of people around you have done their degrees, you talk to them, and uh, you learn what they learned in their degree so I think I was able to very quickly at that point navigate that I want to do a degree in public health but I was also thinking if I want to keep it broad if I want to keep it MBA like all this or I want to do MPH or I want master's of public health or I want to do a PhD mm-hmm. so now uh, let me give you um, like basically picture it for you right if Pallavi Puri goes to a PhD she is more into research. If Pallavipuri goes into MBH, she's more into uh, business and like market management or whatever, like more general. And then I'm more exposed to corporate world. And then if I go to MPH, it's more specific, narrowed down. It's a mix of uh, expertise and practice and research. So at that point, I was trying to understand what is that thing I want to achieve, right? And everything would get me somewhere different so a lot of times people say that destination might be same but routes can be different but that's not true if you change your route you change your destination because your pit stops change accordingly so um at that point i decided okay this is uh, no i definitely need practice i definitely need uh, expertise phd i can think about later because i don't want to get stuck in something and and just read, read, read. I decided, okay, I will do MPH. That's it. I've decided because I want both practice experience, I want research, but I also want us expertise in public health. And, they've, and actually public health values MPH more than MBA sometimes. So yeah, so I ended up deciding on MPH. And uh, after that, I decided uh, on what schools to apply. And for that, uh, I looked at top schools. For me, that was important. Uh, because if I was spending so much money for me, I was thinking that, okay, like I want to get through those schools also because I feel a lot of the people I've worked with already work from those schools. So it would have like helped me in terms of networking. So after I picked 10 top 10 schools, I went through each school's curriculum. I decided I will apply to four schools, I, Columbia, Emory, uh, Hopkins, and Boston University. Those are only four schools I applied to. and uh, and. When I was applying, um, at that point, I thought uh, I will review the curriculum and I'll see what I get through. But right now, I just want to apply to schools and later I'll decide what school I'll finally finalize. So I ended up uh, reviewing all schools' curriculum, their faculty. I was very clear on this is the kind of job I want. But that didn't stop me from trying more things. Because like I said, there's always something better out there, right? You can't restrict yourself. Okay, you know now I want this. That's not true. So, um, I think that's why you take us. I decided that, okay, this is the, this is, uh, I want to do this job, this job, like advocacy, practice, research. And I am good at uh, communication right now, but I really want to build up myself in advocacy and research and also get that practical experience in the US. So, that's how I chose Boston University because I saw their uh, website and how the students had, you know, their own voice there. The school had the grant uh, to give to students. So you can see, you can go and see there that the, the school has been funding their students to do a lot of practice work while they're studying. So
0: uh, while, while you're talking about this uh, job opportunities of how one should really assess themselves before really being defined by the jobs available there. so. Right. But but if we have to really get into the category that you have fallen into, for example, MPH, the, that the course that you've done. Uh, what are the different job opportunities in your visibility after this course? Uh, as I'm assuming that it all aligned with you very well. So now what all job opportunities that you saw yourself available to?
1: So anybody who does MPH sees themselves available to job opportunities? Is that what you're asking? Okay. Yeah, so uh, I think... It depends on, so as as an MPH, it varies with different schools. Uh, so, if there is a school which has, a, like, let me take a step back. So, in MPH, you have different concentrations. Okay, so it can be epidemiology, it could be communication, it could be hospitality. There are a lot of variations, and it varies from school to school. So, uh, now if uh, I chose communication, in my school in boston university and people who do communication are more open to jobs like uh, international organizations or community organizations that work in behavioral change communication policy change communication so it's mostly you develop uh, c- campaigns or programs that influence uh, that are good at with communication and they influence the functioning of they influence the health systems of a country or of the world and it could vary from health systems to people behavior to policy anywhere but you're applying your skill set of communication Uh, so you could either get into an international organization you could also get into a consultation like Deloitte or BCG and uh, or you could also get into UN or WHO so these are different organizations because they all have these requirements then you can become an epidemiologist so you will become a researcher you would work with schools uh, like uh, bu stanford mit or all of these schools um, or you could work with a uh, hospital because they also they also uh, collect data and then they do their research and so it's mostly research it's with communication it's advocacy and uh, the organizations would vary from Regional to international nonprofits, to consultations like Deloitte, etc., and uh, and hospitals.
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah.
0: So uh, I'll I'll request you to step a little back there in that thought process, and we were talking about the select college selection and then job opportunities. But what exactly did it take for you to really, uh, let's say, get into that college in terms of particularly SOP writing? So how did you go about cracking an SOP for Boston University or let's say for whatever admits other than that, that you also got?
1: So, um, yes, so the SOP. Um, I think with, I love Statement of Purpose. Uh, I think it's, uh, I didn't like it when I was applying, but now I like it. Uh, I, it's
0: only because... You're putting in purpose in everything that you speak. So that reflects of how much you love SOP. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, oh, yes you're right statement of purpose but um, i never thought oh my god i never realized this statement of purpose that's why i love no, it so. No, much.
0: like you said you did not really get that sort of feeling while you were writing so it was obviously like a assignment for you at once. yeah
1: yeah when you have to do things because you have to do it you don't like it exactly. you know sop gives you an opportunity to give context to your resume i like to think of it like that so resume is basically your timeline everything on spot, your facts, right? And SOP is your chance to give voice to your resume. Why you did what you did. Why, uh, what was that one day that made you decide that? So it makes you, I think we all take it as an assignment, uh, SOP, because you have to write so much in that little page. But uh, if we think of it as a way of telling your own story, it becomes a little different, right? It becomes, uh, it becomes like, me talking right now me telling you what i want what i love and then it becomes interesting because suddenly you start reflecting and i think the schools want you to reflect that why are you applying to this school and why did you reach this what how did you reach this stage where you want to apply to this school and where will you go beyond that so how i break it down and i think so i've started reviewing a lot of uh, sops on linkedin but uh how I break it down is I always tell everyone who's writing an SOP is that first, you always want to mention a specific day, like a storytelling, right? Uh, that happened. I was sitting with my grandma and this happened, or I was, you know, at a hospital and I saw this, or I, I was watching an ad and I ended up buying it. So like, like a three word, three sentence of what was that one specific minute, second of your day that Is still profound in your life and is making you take this decision decision then you go to the second paragraph and you talk about why uh why this this whatever you mentioned above matters to you right you give context to your telling the story then you go to okay how did you get here why did you want to where did you where did all this start so just imagine how a how a reviewer is going through your sop they would want to get a context a color of what you are then they would want to know why does this person is why is this person person mentioning this color so you give them that context okay where did this come from so you tell them okay this is where it began and then you go fourth paragraph you explain uh, all that you've achieved you know context of it okay this is what i did all that the paragraph we love all that we've done right and then you go to the fifth paragraph where you talk about okay falls this is where I want to now grow and this is where I want to do a master's why do I want to do a master's so you reflect that you talk about your strengths you talk about the school's strengths and what are your weaknesses and you kind of match them together you make them marry right so that the the person who's reviewing it make feels that connection between you and the school and then the last paragraph is kind of like is is a gift wrap it's basically you taking back from that story you mentioned on the top and you wrapping it back up and you're like, okay, like this is how the day ended and I now think I want to be that person who creates such ads so, and save a million lives. So, you know, it's like a whole package. You can see yourself making that whole gift with full of what you have context about your resume. Okay. Yeah, So I think I look at it from that perspective you know in the beginning even if you start with a timeline it's okay so that you get a context of what all you have done till now it can be a three pages long thing and then after that you will be like what am i reading you want that feeling so that you know what the reviewer will feel okay so don't expect uh, yourself uh, and i'm talking to the applicant like don't expect yourself right away to crack the perfect sop you can't, you can't do a storytelling right away. Even a, even a journalist, even a storyteller takes thousands of days to get to the right story. And uh, that never changes. So if you want, if that helps you start with a timeline, what have you done? What has defined your purpose? What has defined what you've done till now? And then you pick things from that. Okay. And then it makes sense to you. So it is okay for you to start with a, with a very rough timeline, but remember where you're going. You You really want to have a story. So you pick up the right context from that entire junk of material you have but write that junk because you need that junk. Uh, it's a way of you to reflect to. and the reviewing part. So uh, I had this is where my networking helped. I had a lot of people uh, I knew from my Johns Hopkins, my work, my uh, different friends. So I, I already told everyone like I had four people like yeah, five people I thought were my top people who would review my uh, SOP. So I had the stick-on notes and on every stick-on note, I had the name of the person and how that person will add context to my SOP. Okay, so that that this person will look at it from research perspective. This person will look at it from advocacy perspective. So I knew how every person is going to review my SOP. So I was able to pick their comments accordingly and add to my SOP so uh and also i and then i had a grammar nazi for my sap so uh so i sent it to one of my writer friends who who reviewed in terms of grammar so i didn't give it to them until i was really sure of what i want to put in there because i know they'll chop it off completely and that's what they do but uh but i think it was helpful for me to send it to a person who can finally review your writing at the end but before that you want at least three four people who who are experts in your field who are who have done this kind of a degree or uh, or or a person who is your mentor right so like three four people who know you really well and who can add context or give you you know some chunk for your sop but then at the end you want one or two people who can review your language or grammar your storytelling so i think i had six seven people so one of them was all one of them one of them was actually um was one of them was from Columbia School of Public Health and one of them was from Hopkins. Uh, So I had them also review my uh, documents, but it was very helpful. And I had reviewed my SOP around 50 times. I think I just, I kept reviewing it. I kept reviewing it. But if you have to really
0: rate yourself, let's say uh, with respect to uh, you getting your SOP before getting it reviewed by 10 people and then after getting it reviewed by 10 people, what do you think is the percentage of change that happened i mean did it like drastically change up to 90% things were changed or was it like about 40 50% change what is the change it that was,
1: it was drastic okay,
0: okay.
1: yeah so, it was well, it was and i i loved my writing okay i, I wouldn't hate i i hated when people critique my writing uh, but it was uh, it was changed a lot because you know i was looking at it from my bubble uh, and I started with my entire story and what all I think was my achievement.
0: All right. So, so about scholarships. So, what, what, uh, how did you really go about applying for those scholarships in terms of, let's say, what would you credit your approvals of the scholarship to? Or was it your writing particularly, or was it? I mean, what was it exactly? Was it like your past experiences that really summed up for you?
1: Right. Um. So I, so usually when you apply to schools, I think they give you scholarship themselves. They offer it themselves. It just totally depends on your SOP, your application uh, and your GRE. Obviously, now some schools don't accept GRE, but it's fine. Uh, Your SOP matters a lot, a lot. And I trust me because I am now on the other side where I do accept, uh, like my organization. Now uh, I'm managing that project that provides fellowship to co- cover your PhD completely in uh, in some research areas and I'm managing that project. And I sit on that committee where they, I don't like, I observe that committee where they review applications. And one of the things that stands out is how they answer the questions that we have in the form. And that's basically me uh, cutting down the requirement of SOP and putting them down, what, I, what we really want to know from them, right? And uh, what matters is your passion your compassion, like your need to do this degree? Why do you want to do it? And how would you actually contribute to the school? Just imagine why would someone want to invest in you, right? Like why would someone want to invest in you if you don't have anything to give? If you just come and study, nobody cares. They will want your money. If you will come and promote something or you will come and contribute or you make their school a little famous, I think they would want to invest money in you. So what is important is, you highlight those parts of your experience which represents that you have pushed another organization or any other field you've been in so that they know that you're entrepreneurial.
0: So the most important thing to take from there is that eventually for a mindset of any applicant, one should be of the mindset that the student is to choose the university and not the university that is on the upper stakes of choosing the student. Because if that mindset changes, then your SOPs change, your scholarship letters change, your requirements change. I mean, one should understand that the university needs you more than you need them. Exactly. So and that really flows in well. So so you said that you, you also took a loan probably to fund some part of your tuition fee. So how does that flow in with respect to where you are right now? Is it comfortably being paid off or is it like a burden on your head? Uh, what's the emotional feeling about the loan?
1: I, I think uh, there are pros and cons. On one hand, the loan made me it possible for me to come here. Even though it's not like I was in a type position of like my parents can't fund it and, and all but like i always just wanted to take care of it and uh, i took that loan but uh, i think in terms of pressure i wouldn't lie there is it's not in terms of me not being able to pay it back because yes the f- salary takes care of it but the pressure is that you know that um, That flexibility of moving around kind of goes because you are you have responsibilities suddenly. Like you have to, if you if you don't have a job for a month or two when you're trying to find other jobs, like you feel the pressure that, okay, Palav, you can't switch right now. You have to take care of these things, and you know, uh, as much as you would want to, it's not like I want to, but uh, as much as you'd want to, you can't switch that easily because you want to make sure that your next month's EMI is covered. So that's a little bit of a like a sad point about loan, but at the same time, it makes it possible it's easy to cover because uh you earn quite fine money when you graduate.
0: okay so so how about we touch upon let's say the lifestyle there, particularly, you could start talking about the uh life balance when you when it comes to spending your weekends. Uh, in comparison to your weekdays. So, is it like most of parties or or is it like more of uh, being with yourself again? What is it like?
1: I think we've had a pretty long conversation that by now you know me a little bit.
0: but uh, Perspective of the choices one could have there. Yeah,
1: exactly. I think you answered it for me. See, now you know me enough. Uh, I think uh, it totally depends on your one um i think the first two years were even more boring for me than in india even though i had my own independence um see that's why if you don't want to sell a country you come to me i i can i cannot sell it for you <laughs> so uh it totally depends on the kind of fun you want to have right it is it's different for different people i didn't even know what was fun for me till the time i came here um uh, because i was staying with family and like i that i was had like a really nice in schedule for the day like go to office come back cuddle with my dog and just have dinner with my family and sleep so i was i was a boring person uh it wasn't boring i wouldn't call it boring but it's nice and then i came here i was staying alone uh, and i think for me uh the the lifestyle change was doing everything by yourself uh i was able to grow myself as a person that i didn't even expect i would be like i honestly never thought i would be a person who i always thought i was grounded honestly i thought i was grounded but i wasn't so uh i uh, i maybe i still am not and i would get another experience where i will feel more grounded so i think just that kind of experience really helped me like coming here understanding how people think about different things like different cultures have always been the love of my life I think it's like I learn so much from different people from different cultures how different people think like uh how they function what they eat what they want to talk about you understand that uh, a person would show aggression in a different way you understand the person would show love in a different way so you try and become more understanding and that's how you become as a a whole person i think that's that's the kind of growth i have seen over the years here i've become more confident like you can see i'm talking a lot but uh uh but yeah they they build you you up by make breaking you down and then when you break down you don't know you don't remember your structure at all so you become any structure you want to become so i think that's a that's a good thing to take away from your experience here
0: Right right so the cultural shift really helps because obviously it questions the foundations and change so that's-
1: yeah yeah and you know what I have traveled before that because my work required me to travel uh, when I was in India so I was I was meeting a lot of people from different parts of the world I was living alone for like maximum one month or uh, two months and uh, but like coming here living alone like just shifting your base it has just changed the the entire the mind structure, like the way I function, the way I think about things, it has completely changed like I thought, oh, just traveling around like for a few months would help me, and it wasn't a decision I made, it was like a work requirement, but I did realize that every time I traveled alone somewhere, I was able to know something about myself because a lot of times people who are around you they restrict you, and it's not out of out of uh that they don't like you or anything. it's just because when people know you they want to remember you as that person, right? And then if you change, then they fear that something around them is changing and then they will have to change. So they stop you from also changing, not because of any you know inbuilt problem that they have with you, but it's just they want to feel secure. So they don't want you to also change in certain aspects. So whenever you travel alone, that's why people say that, get to know a lot about yourself because when you travel alone you don't have to act like a certain someone in front of your dad or your mom or your friends because even your best friend because suddenly you can be a completely new person a person who is not does not even know how you are you've ever been so and then you realize oh I actually like this I now actually like this so you get that freedom to do that right uh, which you don't get when you're when you're around people so just imagine if you can get that in one week or of traveling alone or like a month of traveling alone just changing your base completely to another country and doing everything in a different way how much that would like take a toll like not a toll on a person but it would change a person quite a lot if they want to change if they don't yeah uh, then that's a different thing but i'm sure there are people who don't like who think of it as more as uh, fun exposure and which is also fine but like for me it was more in terms of this
0: Correct. Well, that covers a lot of following questions that I wanted to ask where and you wanted to draw the contrast of personality with post and pre-US, but that also answers most of it. So
1: yeah, that's all.